On this episode of the Adverse Genius Fortnightly Podcast, Don and Bruce talk about what they've been entertained by lately, including Looney Tunes, Foam Mo Clay, and the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Hey, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash obg. Everything that comes in from there goes to cover our monthly podcasting costs, which we appreciate. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of the Inverse Genius Fortnightly. I'm here once again. Oh, I'm Donald, and I'm here once again with the amazing Bruce Fogue the Third. Hey, Bruce. Hey, he's the Donald Dennis, and don't let him tell you anything differently. Well, uh, I would not. Yes. Well, I just like to make sure every chance we get, as you well know, Donald, I like to make it noted to anyone within shouting range. Of, you, of all of all the people with the name of Donald that I would want to be, the Donald Dennis is the one. I get it. Me too. That's the one I yeah. would go for. You could even pick a couple other names I'd want to be the Donald Dennis. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair, fair, fair tinkum. Um, so Br- Bruce, uh, yes. what, what have you been up to? Let's, let's, let's look back at some of our previous episodes that we may have talked about things and, and maybe we want to talk about them again real quick. I talked earlier about how I was happy about the upcoming MLB, the show 23, which is a baseball video game. I said it last time. I'll say it this time. If you don't like baseball or baseball video games, this is not changing your religion. It's not that cool. However, if you do, they've done two things that are super awesome. Number one, they have what they call their Diamond Dynasty mode, which is sort of their card building game. And they've done some neat stuff that's actually creating like a sort of a deck building aspect to it. They've Mm -hmm. added it used to be, hey, cards are really crap at the beginning of the season and very slowly we'll ramp them up and make them slightly better until the end when they're all super good. And that means that if you play those early cards, it's hard to pitch. It's hard to hit. Nobody can catch anything. And it's just kind of an ugly run until cards start to get good around July. So like if it was me playing baseball ever, that would be the experience you would get. Yes. And it very much felt like they would just take like because they also needed to have like some good names of people you've heard of. So they would make like a really crap Babe Ruth. So they would nerf Babe Ruth so that they could put two more Babe Ruths out later. And the third one was the one that felt like the guy you wanted. The guy that looked at every ball and called the shot and it would just fly out into the outfield. But the early one was like, okay. So what they've done now is they've created like a multi-set tier thing where different times of the year you can play different sets of cards. But each set of cards will have up to 99 in it. So essentially what they've done to make it so you have to keep on the treadmill because they haven't hidden that they need you to stay on the treadmill is now every part of everything is fun. There's just going to they're going to take sections out and put sections in almost like kind of a Magic the Gathering where it's like you can only use the last three sets and then you have to make new things happen. Right. That's what they're doing with this. Additionally, they've added something called captains, which is you can put a really good player on the field. And if you're willing to build a theme team around them, your whole team will get better. But it's going to make you make suboptimal decisions to make the captain happy. So if you have like there's an Aaron Judge uh, Mm -hmm. on the Yankees, he's the Yankee hitting captain. If you'll give him more Yankees, he loves it and it'll help everybody. But there's only like two Yankees you'd want on a dream team, and you don't <laughs> want the other seven guys. But if right. you'll take them, 
Aaron will make them good. So it gives you some neat like deck building things to think about that wouldn't just be get the best cards, look at the highest number, put them in and learn how to play with them. You now have decisions to make, which is kind of a neat thing to see in this sort of game because notoriously these games haven't really done the like strategic deck building thing. It's more get the good cards, put them in the good places. Now, wait a minute. I, I thought we were talking about a video game. Did we change games when I was not looking? We did not. This is all in the video game. It has multiple modes. This right. is one of them, this like deck building mode. And then uh, they've done something this year called Storylines. I talked about it earlier that there was going to be a Negro League part of the game now. And mm-hmm. there is. Um, it is essentially, I believe, 10 players. It is a 10-player documentary. Essentially, you pick a player. And then you do a multi-part documentary of their career where the president of the Negro League Baseball Museum will tell you things about their life, and then they'll give you a scenario from their life to play. Uh, they all have cool little lead-in videos, and they all have properly edited, properly uh, soundtracked uh, documentary videos in between each step. Uh, mm-hmm. And like I was saying to you at the beginning, Donald, it's... To, to like as an American, if you're listening internationally, this won't mean much to you. But as an American, a certain amount of like baseball stuff uh, you just have to deal with because you're here. So there's names that you know. If I say a Babe Ruth, your average American has heard that name and knows the story about him telling the kid in the hospital hit the home run. So you've heard all this, but you haven't about like a Satchel Page, who is arguably maybe one of the greatest ball players of all time. Um, I've just learned I, it begins with Satchel and you learn about him and I've heard some stories about him where I didn't know sort of the the dark and ugly parts that led to the positive story that we know. And they do cover some of that to let you know that this was a tough time for these players. They don't shy away from that, but they make sure that if it's a moment of of what uh, some of the writers call black trauma, you're never dealing with with black trauma with a controller in your hand. There's never Uh, a time where you're playing it. You're playing the big, happy, successful moments. You're playing, we've come out of the pain, and now we're going to show you the positivity. That's when you have a controller in your hand. Anything that's like... Uh, that's negative or or hard, I guess I'll say, but those those worst parts of history for the Negro Leagues, you're going to be seeing it as a documentary, as like almost a Ken Burns style thing. So um, it's not is, emotionally, you're not you're not getting emotionally wrapped up in it at the time where you're also having to you know chase flash time or quick time events. Never. They're okay. saying, hey, Satchel Page dealt with racism and he did it in such a way where he proved he was a superior athlete. So now let's take a look at that. And then they give you another like cut scene in the video game of him, you know, like warming up and getting ready. So you're not even on top of each other with those moments before you are Satchel Page in that moment of superior athleticism beating the team that just a moment ago was calling him names in one of the most famous Satchel Page moments. Um and then the story goes off. I'll only tell you about the other two, and then I'll let it go because they're the only ones I've started to play through. Uh, mm. There's also Hilton Smith, who they say had the greatest curveball in baseball history. And they say that uh, if you were the old timers in the Negro League would say, because Satchel Page and Hilton Smith were on the same team, and Hilton Smith was called Satchel Page's shadow. And they say, you better get your hits off of Satchel because once Hilton Smith comes in the game, you're not going to get any more. That's how good a player he was. Wow. Yeah. And like, I've never heard that name before ever in my life. And now I'm hearing it. And then the third and final one I've started to work on is Rube Foster, 
considered the greatest mind in baseball history by many. Um, it is argued by the president of the Negro League Museum. He is in the Hall of Fame, and all these guys are in the, the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, but that if more was known about Rube Foster, he would have gone in three times, once as a player, once as a manager, and once as an executive. Um, he is oh. most known, and you, you learn the beginning of the story with him. He formed the Negro League of Baseball. He is the guy that got the, the eight owners together in a YMCA and convinced them we need to be a league to make things legitimate and start to advance black baseball. So, like, mm-hmm. this is what I'm learning from a video game. From you know, like everything I've told you is literally just I'm just regurgitating to you what I have learned from this one section of this baseball video game. And I think that is just the coolest thing I've seen a sports video game do in a very long time. So uh, do you think that, that this is the kind of thing that people who might not be in the history aspect of it, but are interested in sort of baseball? That, that they're going to be able to absorb some of this and it's going to actually introduce lots of people. Cause I know you're just, you're into all kinds of things, right? That's yes. why we have you on the show is because uh, Bruce likes things and, and you're not, not, uh, not ashamed to share them with, with no, people. Not at all. And we appreciate that. But uh, do you think that this style of presentation or that in, in intertwining video games with, real things is going to be a continuing thing that continues to get more and more polished. And I'm not, I'm not going to say at the expense of triple a titles, uh, but is a sort of good hand in hand kind of thing. Well, so for sports, this is a triple a title. So let's not lose right. that. This is Sony and San Diego studios. This is their big, this is their one big baseball game of the year. It is far as I understand the only major league baseball licensed game. That is a simulation that exists. Right. Um, I think they've done a good job in this game of they give the player a lot of carrots for coming over to this mode. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of things. Where they say, hey, this mode's going to take you per player to get through their whole story might take you 45 minutes to an hour. And at the end, we're going to give you the player. So like my dynasty team has Satchel Page as my opening pitcher and has Hilton Smith as his backup. Because they wanted to give me a lot of carrots to make me do it. Do I think the average player is going to get into this? I think there's a definite chance because you're so heavily rewarded to come look at this. Um, I I do think there will be some people that will... Fa- you are allowed to fast forward the videos and just play the moments. And I think some people will do that. I think power gamers are going to say, well, I don't really care about this. But I would guess there's going to be a whole group of kids like you or I may have been about certain types of lore, right? So if you think about, like, for me, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, I only care about them because I was exposed to them. And I was only exposed to them because I had to be exposed to them because they're what was on TV when I came home from school. I think a certain amount of that is going to happen. And I think these stories being out there, even if it's one kid in class tells the other kids, did you, did you know the guy who invented the screwball is in there? Like... That's I've never even heard of the pitch. And I looked the pitch up because there's going to be nerds everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just this being available is going to start to make it a bigger and bigger thing. Do I think this is going to like replace AAA titles and all that? No, but I think if you have a B tier title and you really want to make it feel like something, you now have an opportunity to do just like a lot of board games have done. We talk about this all the time. There's a lot of board games that take the time to kind of either teach you history or or uh, kind of mimic a situation to show you how like economic factors work and things like that. And it's a lot easier to pick that up through play than it is just trying to read a book. 
Um, right. I think this would be a fantastic situation. I hope we see more games do this, especially in these kind of sports and fanciful realms. Um, other things we're going to talk to, I would love to see, you know, like a Simpsons game come out that teaches you old seasons of the Simpsons. I would love to see. And I think that's an, an available uh, place for companies to look at if you're right. They can't invest in building a AAA title that's going to grab everything. Make something like this, or there's one other I'll, I'll talk about just for a second. Um, Atari made the 50th anniversary of Atari that's come out. It is mm-hmm. essentially a playable history. because. Oh knows that its games are not good by modern standards like there's no reason to play combat in a world with call of duty so what they've done with that game is is they put it through the lens of let's look at history these are the games that built atari these are the games that built the home entertainment system as we know it that eventually you know nes got better and snes got better and playstation got better and xbox got better um but it does that i think the idea of a playable history is right. I'm hoping to be a, a bigger thing for people, and I think it makes uh, what may have been an eh title significantly more sellable. Well, with the Atari one, I wonder if they do. They talk about ET, the game that killed Atari. Um, um I, so I don't have it yet, so I don't know. <laughs> I know they talk to you through a lot of the steps and a lot of the lost games and the ones that were not good. They do go through some of that. I don't know if they talk about Atari only because they only talk about the Atari-made games it can't take all those licenses. So like, I don't think Mm -hmm. it has, um, there's no donkey Kong on it. Even though there was a donkey Kong on Atari 2600, it's not in this game because Nintendo owns it. Um, but they go through kind of the rise and fall of video games at home and the arcade machine and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And I think that is a super cool way to approach like a B level title. So I've got a, a video game story that I don't believe, but I have to share. Uh, Let's do so, it. So this uh, a group of people were touring in a foreign city. I think it was in, in Rome. Um, and, uh, and they got lost. And one of the kids is like, hey, I know this place. I know how to get where we're going next. Um, and uh, when they got there, the guy, you know, the, the teacher who was there with the classic kids was like, have you been here before? And he's like, no, no. I played a lot of Assassin's Creed. <laughs> and uh, so I knew how to get from this place to the cathedral that we were going to go and visit because this that marketplace we were in looked very familiar. Because um, I know that uh, yeah the the Assassin's Creed has done some actual historical stuff. Uh, the Minecraft has tried to do some educational modules and stuff like that. So I, I look forward to uh, to video games developing in that way because I think any way that you can engage people in the learning, the learning is going to be it's going to be a stickier. Uh, and in a good way. Oh, and I think sports are a good first place because if you're doing a simulation sports game, you're mm-hmm. already like, oh, the arena is picture perfect. The streets in the race are picture perfect. Um, right. I know I've played a couple of race games and then seen the race on TV. I didn't really care about, but I'm like, oh, wait a minute. There's a left and then a long straight and then a wild right. And then a hairpin. I'm like, oh, cause I remember it from Gran Turismo or Forza. So I think it's a great place to start there, and I agree. I hope I see more more things do it. So you did mention the TMNT, uh, uh, Teenage Mutant yep. Ninja Turtles. Uh, I saw the preview for that, uh, the new upcoming movie, I guess it is. And I have to say, I like the look of it better than I have probably any of the turtle stuff in in recent memory, at the very least. So That's awesome. Why would you have seen the preview? 
Uh, well, we'll get to that. Ninja, we'll, Ninja Turtles, Donald. We'll, we'll get, we'll, I didn't see the whole movie. I just saw the just saw the preview. But uh, yeah. uh, but oh, we'll get to that here in a minute. I want to okay. look back at something we've talked about previously. When okay. Kathleen was on last time, uh, we she talked about the Physical 100, which was a, a game show about uh, people who are incredibly buff, and it all starts off with the plaster molded bust or torsos of all the competitors at the very beginning. And as they get kicked out, they have to destroy their own torso in, oh. in a very, uh, it would have to be emotional. It's like, Oh look, you just got kicked out of this game and now we're going to make you be performative for the camera. It struck me as being just so mean in the nicest way, because everybody on this, uh, was, was made an effort to be really nice and supportive. Okay. Um, but it, I, we watched my wife and I watched it all the way through. We enjoyed it. Uh, there, you could tell sometimes when there was can, uh, camera shenanigans to try and make things look a little closer than they probably were okay. in the competitions. Uh, but it was interesting to see the kinds of competitions that they put people through. Uh, you sort of got to find, you know, where you could pick, hey, these are my favorite characters in the show. Uh, and, you know, I was able to look at that and say, well, there is not a single person in there. Uh, who wouldn't be able to beat me at whatever that challenge was? You know, <laughs> I'm like the, these people should all feel great. Uh, I could not make make any of them feel threatened, except for maybe they wouldn't have been able to have thrown me out of a ring. I think there was one of those things. But uh, yeah, you know, I've got a, a lot of a, a inertial dampening mass in my favor. But the rest of it, um, I, I think that uh, they would have had a tough time. So um, yeah, uh, I recommend it. Uh, it's it's. I'm not into sports at all. Uh, Bruce will vouch for this, mm-hmm. uh, but it was a fun competition and, and, and worth looking at. If you're looking at, especially if you're doing something else and you want to have something on, like if you're, you know, say, Oh, I need to sketch at this moment, or I'm going to be, uh, uh, you know, knitting or something else while stuff is going on. It's a great thing to do, especially if you've got the dub version on. So check out physical 100. And also I, I saw the finally, the final season of star girl, which is a short season. Uh, the production value on it are much higher than nice. all the previous production values. It, it felt like as they were getting to the final, they said, Oh, we want a sense of style in our show as opposed to, we want it to be a, a family drama of a good family of people who don't necessarily all know how to communicate, but we want actual, you know, they have the nice intro music and everything seems like it's going along with that. Like James Gunn's gun has had an effect on the DC universe or something. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, star girl, I recommend, uh, uh, if you're, if you're not into DC style of TV shows and you're not into family shows very much like the whole baseball thing, this is not, not, not going to win you over, but, uh, it was nice light viewing before bed where we felt the stakes were relatively low and occasionally it surprised us with, Oh, wow. That was quite the decision they made. So there's that. Very cool. Very cool. And then I'm going to ask the first game show physical challenge thing. Yes. Uh, Where do I find the dubbed version of that? It's all on Netflix. Okay. You may have said that, but I missed it. I was trying to pay attention to it. I I did not. I did not. I was errant. So, and and so was uh, uh, Stargirl was on HBO plus, I guess, or whatever it's called these days. HBO max. Is it now HBO Max? That it te- right now it's HBO Max. Soon, I think it's HBO Max. And then right. soon it's going to be like HBO Plus or whatever it's called. Or Discover HBO. There we go. Yeah. That's the name of their show. That's the channel name they should have used. 
commercial juice. That, that may be know. the new one. I think they're they're rebranding, but yeah. Again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so do you have a big new thing that you want to share with our listeners? I do, and it transitions from that HBO Max thing from a second ago. Woohoo! Uh, so I was watching uh, just YouTube as I do. And there was a documentary that came on, and the documentary title was something such as, What Do the Looney Tunes Mean Anymore? Ooh. And it was an hour of someone saying, like, what were the Looney Tunes, and what are the Looney Tunes? And through this, they did a discussion of, you know, what the Looney Tunes had been, that they were irreverent, and they were funny, and they were well-made, and it had, you know, a very tongue-in-cheek and uh, breaking the fourth wall and, and all that kind of stuff. And then it talked about the 1990s when we hit Space Jam, uh, which the person making the documentary called objectively a horrible movie, but that he understands why people love because he was kind of a kid in that particular time period. But talked about how Warner Brothers play was originally with the Hair Jordan commercial, the Air Jordan commercial that had Jordan and Bugs Bunny in it that the mm -hmm. director of that commercial wanted to make Bugs Bunny Bugs Bunny, and they told him, no, we need you to sanitize him. We want him to be a mascot. Don't do anything uh, that uh, makes him seem too harebrained, that makes him seem too wacky. Uh, don't make him an anarchist. Uh, just have him have fun. So this was kind of a plan from Warner Brothers for a lot of years to make Bugs Bunny the Mickey Mouse of Warner Brothers. And oh. they, if you know anything about Mickey Mouse, he used to be a character like that did things and was kind of funny sometimes and that was involved in hijinks and adventures. And Disney was like, how about we cash all of that in and we remind you that three circles can control the world. And that's what they did. <laughs> And Warner Brothers wanted some of that sweet three circles money. Uh, oh, so that's that's, that's a good quote right there. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's what they wanted and that's what they got. And it didn't work as well for the Warner Brothers um, because just everything in Space Jam kind of lost what the Looney Tunes were. Looney Tunes back in action, which was directed by Joe Dante, which if you know his work, he did Gremlins 2. Uh, and Joe Dante was very close friends with Chuck Jones, the person who did almost all the Bugs Bunny stuff you like. And Chuck Jones, before he died, the last thing he saw of his creations was Space Jam, and he hated it. So Joe Dante agreed to do back in action to try and like fix Chuck Jones's legacy. Uh, and Joe Dante says that's the most painful movie he's ever made was back in action, and that he only got some of the decisions he wanted, and then he just gave up at some point. So this is where we have the Looney Tunes, where they are today. Um... Space Jam 2 is so bad, we don't even talk about it. We'll just leave Space Jam 2 out. But the thing they noted was, in this world, where Bugs Bunny, gentleman anarchist, is left <laughs> with nothing. Right. Um, there are new cartoons. And this was sort of the, uh, the whole documentary about where the Looney Tunes are. The, the quote I loved was, it was a quote from a, a film director that I don't remember, so I apologize for not having that information, was that the difference between a happy ending and a sad ending is where you choose to end the story. Uh, and he said, rather than end this sad, I'm going to give you one positive note, because this is an internet YouTube video, and I have to do that so you'll watch another thing I make. There have been, right before Space Jam 2, good Looney Tunes cartoons, 
well done Looney Tunes cartoons that you can find and they have the old wit and uh, Bugs Bunny is an anarchist again and the only difference in the new ones is they can't use guns so there are no more Yosemite Sam doesn't have guns he's just like oh I'm gonna get that rabbit uh, He in the one that I watched he was arm wrestling because they can't have him use guns anymore uh, this makes in some scenes the Looney Tunes are now maybe more violent than they've ever been because all the writers are trying to do violence without doing guns. Uh, but if huh. you have HBO Max and you look under Looney Tunes, it is just called Looney Tunes Cartoons. You could look at the plate for it and think it was the old ones. But if you take a look on the like image, it will say uh, something like exclusive to HBO Max or HBO Max original. These are brand new cartoons using models that were created by the same people who did uh, Teen Titans Go. They are going back to the old Tex Avery, Fritz Freeling, Chuck Jones style of making these things. Uh, the amount of characters, pretty much they're bringing all, every character you knew is back, except maybe Pepe Le Pew. And I think this is when we had the big discussion about what a horrible character Pepe Le Pew is and how you cannot look at him through a modern lens at all. I believe this well, is when that discussion came out. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, the, I, so I, I will not defend Pepe Le Pew as, as a character. I will defend him as an object lesson because he never won, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's, like, it's like the wolf or the coyote, Wiley Coyote, was abhorrent. Uh, actually, he was just doing his deal, right? Trying to get dinner. Um, yeah. But he never won, which is what made him acceptable as a cartoon character. Um, and I think that there should be room for that kind of stuff. But of course the fact that it punches at a cultural stereotype, super hard. Uh, how do they do with those elements in, in the various cartoons? So they more or less leave, uh, they leave that out. They leave out any character. Like you're not going to see a lot of speedy Gonzalez in here. I mean, I would say Speedy Gonzalez over the years has been defended for the exact opposite, which is you may look at Speedy Gonzalez as a cultural stereotype, which he very much is, but he always wins. Right. Um, whenever you hear, especially if you hear, uh, uh, Hispanic or Mexican comedians or Mexican American comedians talk about Speedy Gonzalez specifically. They say, yeah, we loved him because he always won. Like you can do whatever stereotype you want. I guess you're right. Like a lot of those are real bad, but like Speedy Gonzalez never lost. And that right. was something, you know, like if you hear um, like Paul Rodriguez talk about it, that's yes. kind of what he'll mention is, you know, like say what you will, but he didn't lose. I guess you won't see his brother or cousin uh, Slowpoke. Uh, no. Rodriguez, because he has a gun. Yes. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm looking through the crowd now to see if he made it in either. They pretty much any of the old characters that like could have potentially been an issue uh, with modern sensibilities they left out. But I will say, like, I made sure I watched a Wiley e. Coyote, and he can still call Acme. He still blows up. Things crush him. He tries to get the Roadrunner. It doesn't work. Uh, there was a fun scene with Bugs Bunny ends up in the same town that Yosemite Sam is in, and Yosemite Sam is an arm wrestler. And when you get into town, everybody has flabby arms that he's crushed, and he goes to beat Bugs Bunny, and there's an amazing scene where the timing is really good. He Bugs Bunny keeps trying to stop the arm wrestling from happening, and eventually he's like, oh, rabbit, we're going to do it. You're going to get crushed. 
uh, and you see him start to lock up, and the shot is on the hands. And then Bugs Bunny walks behind him and goes, hey, you think you're going to beat him? And he goes, I'm absolutely going to beat him. I'm going to beat you. And then he looks back, and the hand's a stick of dynamite. And he goes, oh, this doggone hand is a stick of dynamite. And then he looks back, and Bugs Bunny's turned into a stick of dynamite. And then they pull out, and the whole bar is dynamite, and the whole thing blows up. Where when done very fast was an outright laugh from me. Because gotcha. it was just so quick and so Bugs Bunny. Nice. They've, they've done a real good job with this. I would say just like the old Merry Melodies and Looney Tunes, is every single cartoon great? No, there's some you're going to like and some you're going to not, as there always was in the history of Looney Tunes. Um, but I will say, unlike the very sanitized versions we've seen in two Space Jams, and the main thing that kind of kept them running were, one, they were in syndicated TV, which doesn't matter anymore, so there's been years where there's been no Looney Tunes anyone could see, and two, advertisements. Uh, they were like, Foghorn Leghorn was the spokesman for Hungry Man Dinners, and they did a whole thing with Welch's and a bunch of insurance companies, like all of that. Yes. That version of them, they sort of get away from and go a lot closer to sort of the classic versions in these cartoons you can find on HBO Max. Well, that's that's pretty cool. So yeah. I, I always loved the, uh, the Looney Tunes. They were a big fan of me. And I remember when I was a young kid, my grandfather would want to go out and take his you know, afternoon walk around the area and we would stop by one of those sort of open air malls and they had one of those little kiosks with uh, um, cartoons that you could sit in and watch. And I spent yep. money to watch Looney Tunes. Yep. And and I, I have no idea if those were legit or pirated, but uh, by golly, they, they got my quarters. Um, the, the only problem that is weird about, you know, some of the old time cartoons uh, from, you know, Looney Tunes and earlier is that they, at that point, they would still occasionally punch down, right? Oh yeah. Um, and uh, you know, real cartoon, real satire, and, and cartoons are best when they are uh, when they are poking fun or picking at a thing. Um, you know, if you punch sideways, well, okay, that's going to happen. If you punch up, that's glorious. Uh, and but when you punch down, that's that's where you eventually uh, eventually lose my excitement. So um, yeah, I'm going to have to go check these out and see the- see how they work. These are well worth checking out, and I would remind you, you could be on HBO Max, stare straight at them, and not know what you're looking at. Okay. Uh, because when the documentary I saw, he literally brought it up on the screen to show you. And he's like, see this? This is it. And I was like, what? And he's like, yep, yeah, looks like the old Looney Tunes cartoons. If you hit it, it's completely brand new stuff made in the past five years. And you literally have to look at it for the logo will look a little newer and we'll say HBO Max original. And that is the only way you can tell. So it's almost as if they have some of the best Looney Tunes cartoons made in 50 years and they're practically trying to hide them in plain sight. I may have seen one of these on accident. Hmm. Cool. That would be the All only right. way you could. <laughs> uh, what was the uh, documentary called? Do you know? Um, I, I do not remember. Here is what I will do while you are telling us about the awesome things you're about to tell us about. Right. I will see if I can find it. Okay. Uh, well, to break things up, because I don't want to go straight from things we've watched to things we've watched to more things we've watched. I'm going to talk about uh, something that I have used at work now a couple of times that is particularly neat or interesting. Um, and it is a foam mo clay. And okay. it is a, a cosplay clay, supposedly. Um, and for those who don't know, cosplay is basically making costumes and stuff. Um, but this, uh, this clay is, um, it's, it's a mold- moldable foam for cos- cosplay is what it's called, but you can find foam clay under different names and whatnot. The whole point of it 
is that um, you can use it to, like, if you want to make a mask or something and you just cut out one of those little domino masks or whatever, put it on there. But it is a super light clay that you can use to modify your costuming with or even make little nuts or bolts or things that if made out of uh, a hard material like a resin uh, could end up in, at a place in a costume that might, you know, cause you a pinch or whatever. It's it's yeah. got a variety of uses, but the important thing is is that it's super light and it's very moldable. And I was working on a uh, uh, a village, uh, and I hated the roads that we had uh, for it. Uh, and this was for role playing, but if you were also doing um, sort of a Christmas village or yeah. or or whatever, uh, yeah. a nat- nativity or whatever. Yeah, fairy garden, that kind of thing. You might be interested in this. And I was like, I want some light and durable roads that I can make out of this. And I put it on craft foam, which is the like the little two or three millimeter uh, foam that you might have cut stuff out of when you were in in grade school or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and why not? And I used just water in that, and I stuck it to this craft foam and made very passable, muddy-looking roads that I could then paint and um these are not old enough now that i know if they are going to become rock hard yeah. uh, but i have made other things with these that they do i assume that they will become rock hard uh that uh, you can then go in with a dremel or other rotary tool and sort of oh look i've made little horns for my satyr uh costume or whatnot and then yeah. you can you know put in horn lines you can carve on them a little bit once it's once it's all dry okay um and it's neat. Basically, that's it. It's just a neat multiple, uh, a neat multiple foam that you can uh, either put into molds. But if you do that, you're going to want to let it dry quite a while before you take it out because when you pull it out, it's soft enough. It's going to distort it. Okay. Or if you want to just sculpt it, you get it into about the shape that you want. You use water to sort of allow it to smooth and get stuff together. And then when it's dry, you can, you know, take your rotary tool to it and sand down parts and that kind of stuff. And so it's really neat. Foam mo clay is the kind we're using, but I think you can probably find any kind of foam clay that would do the same sort of thing. So if you're trying to make yourself a really light mask, uh, you can get like a mask blank of some sort and then build up the ridges and the eyebrows and all that kind of stuff. Or uh, if you wanted to do your Robin style domino mask, but yeah. you know, make it a little more dimensional instead of looking cheap and, uh, and like you made it out of craft foam. <laughs> <laughs> then, then that's the way you can do it. It takes paint really well. I do know that. Okay. Uh, and yeah, so check, check that out. If it's something that you have anything to do um, and you just don't, either you don't want to make it hard or you want to make sure it's light. Um, and it's, and it's fairly durable too. It wears pretty well. So uh, yeah, that's, that's that. That's foam mode. Once again, this will be in the show notes and stuff. So did you find the thing? I did. Uh, so it is on YouTube. It is literally called What Do the Looney Tunes Mean in 2023? And it is by Patrick Willems, W-I-L-L-E-M-S, who, right. looking at his production, it appears to be he's done this for seasons. I just got randomly served it. It appears to be he's a pretty well-established like YouTube documentarian. This just happened to be the first thing I saw, uh, but a lot of film stuff that he does. And eventually he's supposed to be doing the Muppets later because uh, he was asking for money to have a Muppet made of himself for when he does the Muppet episode. Um, oh, but nice. It was a solid, like, fi- like it's 49 minutes long, so it goes pretty in-depth to all the different versions and seasons and what they're doing, and it's a very cool documentary if that's a thing that sounds interesting to you. That's nice. That, that You know, having it broken down by era like that will probably allow me to find out when I 
think peak Looney Tunes was. I, so yeah. here's the thing is it will not do that because it no. kind of says like the Looney Tunes were great back then. And it talks about it for a second. It mostly breaks down if you're like in your 30s or 40s what you think about the Looney Tunes and why if you're in your 20s, you don't know what they are or they don't mean anything to you. And it's about what it could be, how you could form a world where maybe the Looney Tunes would mean something. So I will tell you that it doesn't go through the old stuff very well. It really does very much talk about where in the zeitgeist they exist right where we are in 23. Well, it's rare that I call out to our listeners with a specific call to action. But if you know of a great documentary about the Looney Tunes that will go over the different eras, then hey, let me know. Head over to our Facebook group and torment us there. Uh, all right. And all this will be in the show notes. I do want to talk real quick about a movie that I saw today. Oh, my goodness. Um, that I dreaded when I first heard it was coming out for a variety of reasons, which we may or may not go into. And that was not a great movie. Really? Um, no, but, but you know, I loved it. Uh, so we'll, we'll approach this from both directions. <laughs> um <laughs> So, uh, uh, my wife and I went and saw the Honor Among Thieves, the D&D Honor Among Thieves movie that came out the week that we recorded this, or maybe last week. I don't remember when it came out. But, um, so, first off, it is better than I ever expected, especially having seen the first D&D movie and heard about the second and third D&D movies. Better than I ever expected a D&D movie to be. Okay. It was fun. It had blockbuster banter, which people are now blaming on Marvel, which means that they are dumb and don't understand the history of blockbuster cinema. Um, <laughs> but uh, it it had, hey, the snappy repartee back and forth. It had action beats. It had unexpected things happen. Uh, it had several moments that were just playing either poorly staged or acted or edited that made me feel like, oh, we really are at a D&D table. Um, <laughs> and my wife said, I could imagine in the games that we've played, your character making some of these decisions or <laughs> having that reaction. And I'm like, yeah. well, you're, you're, not, you're not wrong. Um, so <laughs> I would say, overall, if, if you are a person like Bruce, who is not into Dungeons and or Dragons, um, that this will at best be a not horrible movie, right? I would know that's what it looked like from the previews as a person. And we well have documented my love of Dungeons and or Dragons. Mm -hmm. Seeing the previews, I was like, this is the kind of movie that when it comes to streaming, I think I'll choose to by my own volition, watch it. Right. Right. And, and I've heard, I've, I've invested far too much pre watching and in, in pre watch research. Uh, the, um, folks at the NPR's uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour talked about it. Uh, one of my favorite uh, movie reviewers, Movie Bob, has talked about it. And I've seen all of the non-spoilery stuff for it. Okay. The, the, the best thing that I took to go into this movie to supremely enjoy it was to remember that in role-playing games, there are player characters and there are non-player characters. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get a character who acts like a very poorized, reali poorly realized non-player character, but who is dressed up and presented as a player character. So don't be surprised. Just, just remember that there are different classes of character. And there's a character who shows up in this 
movie and you think, ah, this person is now going to be a part of it. And my wife immediately recognized him from Bridgerton. All right. <laughs> because he was in Bridgerton. And I'm like, I know that this guy's not sticking around. So why were they saying he acts like an NPC? And they were absolutely correct. He had super pet GM NPC vibes the entire time that he was there. Uh, <laughs> And it was spectacular. And there were all a, a whole, there were some really super neat action scenes. There were some kind of crappy action scenes. There was, um, you know, too much backstory for the characters. And I'm, I love some backstory, but it felt like each character had to give their, or each player had to give their in character backstory. And that was a lot of fun. So I enjoyed this movie far more than I would have if it hadn't been a sort of a D&D vehicle because I recognized the monsters that they talked about. I recognized some of the locations. Now, there are people who are deep into D&D who I'm certain caught hundreds of references that I didn't catch, right? Because I haven't actively played D&D since the 90s. I play other okay. games and other role-playing games or whatever. Um, I guess I've been in a campaign since then, um, but it was... In spite of being D D and D, not because B it was D and D. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I had a lot, a lot of fun. I, I recommend it. Go in it to it. Don't take it too seriously. Don't expect. Uh, well, if you've seen the commercials, you'll know not to expect D and D or uh, Game of Thrones level seriousness. Um, yeah. So, so that's it. Go see if it is if it interests you. Go see it. If it, if you don't interest, then there is no reason, no reason whatsoever. Go rewatch Marvel movies. So then I'm going to give you my outside having seen two previews for it. What yes. it looks like it probably is. And tell me how close I am. It feels like Guardians of the Galaxy mm -hmm. or that Thor Hulk buddy cop movie meets D&D. &D. That's what it feels like from the previews. Um, okay, it's not Thor Ragnarok. Well, oh, ooh. yeah, I don't know. I mean, th those are good. I mean. It's that level of seriousness as they try and put a veneer of, okay. of seriousness on it. And it's not as bad as Thor Love and Thunder where they undercut the seriousness at every opportunity. Okay. Um, which, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Thor Love and Thunder too. It's just that uh, uh, Taika Waititi is allergic to staying in the moment for more than 15 seconds. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, there were, there were some touching moments in it. And uh, okay. there was a lot of action, a lot of explosion type stuff they didn't have you know a, an unrealistic amount of explosion for a swords and sorcery kind of thing so how does it compare to other board game based movies so i guess that's to say is it better or worse than clue uh, oh oh you can't do that to me it's better than battleship okay um, that's a step in the right direction you know um i i imagine it's probably going to be better than the the haunted mansion preview that i saw when i was there um at this thing, which actually doesn't look like, too bad. Like Disney's the haunted mansion. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Disney's the haunted mansion. Um, and so I clue is one of my all time favorite movies for no, amazing. for no good reason other than it is just my brand of silly all the way through. Um, so you can't do that. To, I can't, there's no way it's as good as clue. Is it, is it, but is it like a close, like, cause obviously much like video games, video games haven't had a lot of good movies, although there's been right. more attempts and so more movies have been kind of better. Yeah. Uh, the newest Mortal Kombat for me being a very high bar of what a video game movie can be. And I say that with, with no amount of sarcasm. Um, 
So does this feel like, but it still feels like a movie. You're not like it's hindered because I would say no. like a battleship was terrible. I never saw Ouija, but I didn't hear good things about it. It doesn't feel like it's drugged down by it being game related. It feels like that did maybe some positive things for it. Yeah. In fact, what this has told me is that they could do five or six more Dungeons and Dragons related movies. And I will not fear for the genre anymore. Right. I won't okay. fear for the role playing it. Um, it's also possibly given the opportunity for other role-playing games to pitch their IP for movies. And I, okay. I don't know if this is if that's ever going to happen or not, but as much as I hate the Rift's role-playing system, uh, the Rift's setting would be cool to see, um, which is Rift says, hey, the world's being invaded by a bunch of different realities, and, and it's sort of a, a take that happened before all the movies that did that. So yeah. maybe it's not as unique as I think it is. Uh, <laughs> but that there is room for uh, the same way that comics have been now harvested Mm -hmm. for characters and some for stories that you could do that with role-playing games. You could do a curse of Strahd movie or a Ravenloft movie now that you couldn't really have pitched 10 years ago because of how bad the old D and D movies were. And, and if they did, you know, with, say oh we're going to do a line of horror movies set with fantasy role-playing game characters well you've got five or six scenarios set in the in the ravenloft realms that would be perfect for that kind of thing they're they're designed around story as opposed to around hey i'm gonna knock off all the hit points off of these things so that's my big hope is that we get some more movies Uh, i hope they don't learn the wrong lessons from this um chris pine was better than i thought he would be i guess i have to admit that i'm not a not by and large a huge Chris Pine fan. I don't say, "Ooh, I see he's in a movie. I want to go see him." Yeah, um, but um, it was neat, and you'll recognize some of the other characters from other things. So, hooray! Very cool. Very cool. A movie that as soon as it hits a streaming service, I already pay for. I'll say. I think that is the perfect way for you to watch that. You grab right. yourself your fizzy beverage of choice, uh, your uh, oddly scented popcorn. Yep. Uh, or Mountain Dew cake or whatever it is you're doing that day. Yeah. And, and you en- engage in your carb high and enjoy, enjoy that all the way through. It's, that's probably the perfect way to watch that movie is through streaming, unless you're just deep into the role playing game stuff. Very cool. So, all right. I think we should wrap it up here unless you have anything else you want to chat about. I'm good. Okay. Well, all right, Bruce, we didn't do this at the beginning. So real quick, where would you like people to find you on the social internet? Uh, while it's still standing, you can find me Twitter at Bruce Co. Thinks. That's probably the place to look. I'll be there until they set fire to the whole building. Nice. I actually uh, tweeted as the Onboard Games account not too long ago because our friend of the show, uh, Isaac Shalev, and his co-designer, whose name I don't have in front of me, have put a game out. Uh, Tira Nanog. Uh, yes. Nanog. So you should go check that out, people, if you're interested in games. But that's a different podcast. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me wandering the wilds of the internet as well. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the inverse genius fortnightly. Uh, we come back every two to four weeks and talk about stuff that entertains us. And if you find anything that you want to talk about that is super entertaining, let us know. Or if you just want us to look at it, uh, the best way to do that is probably our Facebook group, but uh, you can also find our emails attached to this uh, show notes, I think. So anyway, I'm Donald. I'm Bruce. And And thank you for listening. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.